Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters podcast from GP Strategies, your talent transformation partner. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts and explore best practices and innovative insights to help your organization improve performance. Simplicity in learning design and the ins and outs of it, why we should be considering it, and also how to do it. Hello and welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Teal. By day, I am a creative director on the research and innovation team. And one of my fun side projects is getting the chance to host this podcast and talk to thought leaders throughout our organization. And um, today's topic reminded me of something. Um, I'm going to go back a few years Back when I was a teenager, you know, one of my favorite programs on MTV was MTV Unplugged. For those of you, that's a, that was a cable show. But one of the things I just loved about it was you could see rock and roll artists performing their hits, but stripped down to the essentials. So no smoke, no lasers, no synthesizers. It was just the essence of simplicity. And, and really, that's one of the things we're talking about here today is simplicity in learning design and the ins and outs of it, why we should be considering it, and also how to do it. We need some help in this. We need an expert. So we looked all throughout our the GP organization, which is global, by the way. It's large. It's a leading global transformation, workforce transformation organization. We found a professional in Marietta, Georgia, who's a lifelong Atlanta Braves fan with an FAA certification uh, as a drone pilot. But more importantly, he is our Director of Agile Learning at GP Strategies. Please welcome to the show, please welcome back to the show rather, Mr. Scott Barber. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Michael. Thanks for having me back on. Well, we are honored. I understand uh, you let it leak there that you're heading out to a Braves game a little bit later. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Yes. As a brave season ticket holder, there are 82 games that I think I need to go to every year. I don't make them all, but I try to go to as many as I can. <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, with your busy work schedule, that's not quote unquote simple, but let's talk about serious things here. We're going to talk about simplicity and learning design. I know this is something you've got a lot to say about. So the first question I have for you is why simplicity and learning? So why is that so essential from your learned perspective? Well, it, you know, it's interesting. Back when I first learned to become an instructional developer, and indeed in some of the first classes that I took on instructional development, uh, there was a principle that was taught. It was called the KISS methodology. Uh, people mm. say it a couple of different ways. Keep it simple, silly, a little more offensively, perhaps. Keep it simple, <laughs> stupid, uh, you know, whatever. It, it means the same thing. But what's interesting to me is when you look at a lot of applied solutions, a lot of people seem to forget about the KISS method or the KISS methodology. Uh, and the way I usually phrase it is uh, Mark Twain used to say about the weather, everybody always talks about it, but nobody ever does anything about it. Kind of the same right. thing. Here. Everybody <laughs> talks about simplicity in learning. Uh, but when you look at applied learning, uh, it, it ends up being quite complex for your casual learner. Yeah, why is that? What what is it? Because it seems like we all go into it with good intentions, but how come sometimes the end product just becomes wow? That's actually pretty complex. What are, what's your thoughts and take on that? There's a couple of different reasons. People I think confuse uh, performance issues with training issues. In my experience, let's say an ERP planning meeting, that there is a virtual bucket in the middle of the room, 
and anything that uh, that the team, right, the, the PMO or a subject matter expert or somebody of that nature, if they don't want to deal with those things, they throw that in the bucket in the middle of the room so they don't have to deal with it themselves. And that bucket has a label on it called training. So a lot of times people mm. think of uh, any, any potential issue, right, uh, is a training issue. And so it goes into, well, we need a training solution to solve this. And you just end up with a bunch of potential information that people, subject matter experts, leaders, people of that nature would like you to add into the learning. And what you usually end up with is uh, an over-engineered learning solution because everybody's had a say, everybody wants something included, uh, and there is no, there's little discipline ap applied to what the actual the end learner right. actually needs as opposed to what everybody thinks the end user should need. That one hits close to the bone. I've I've experienced that many times, but I've never heard it really encapsulated just the way that you described yeah, there. And, and what we have to keep in mind too is that people are overwhelmed with information already. I mean, there's there's a term in uh, information technology called big data, and big data yeah. is described in terms of velocity, variety, and volume. And the the challenge yeah. with IT is how do you take this huge mass of information? or data rather, and reduce it down into information that you can actually use. Well, the same thing happens at a personal level. You're, you're, you don't just get training uh, from a single source. You get training from multiple sources from within an organization. You get uh, bombarded with information outside of that, the news, things that are going mm -hmm. on at home. So you just deal with a huge volume, uh, variety, and velocity and information. And it can become quite overwhelming, particularly if you're looking at a learner who may or may not already be overwhelmed with information. And we're just adding <laughs> to their burden by dumping in our own over-engineered learning solution at times. Wow. I totally resemble that remark. Sometimes I think I've, as a creative director, I've probably been guilty of adding to that. Just curious, thinking about this in one of the things that we like to do is provide layman's analogies or metaphors for things. I mean, do you have anything like that where you can relate this to in real life if somebody's listening and they're going, I kind of feel it, but what are some examples that you could use to resonate with that? Personally, uh, when I was traveling with my wife in the United Kingdom, now she was there on business. Now it was musician business. So there may have Ooh, been a bar. Cool. Yeah. You know, musician business apparently involves a lot of bars. I did not know this. Uh, <laughs> I'm in the wrong way. business. I need uh, to switch. <laughs> I can highly recommend the Sin E in Cork if you want to hear some okay. authentic uh, Irish folk music. That is okay, I'm writing this down. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, but one of, the, one of the challenges there was we had so many different places to be, and we actually had five, I think, five different flights over 10 days. And we have places to go to that you just couldn't get there on a bus or a train or even an airplane. So we had no choice but to drive. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever driven in the UK or in Ireland, but you drive on the opposite side of the road from us. Yes, I will admit I've done that. And probably within 30, 30 minutes, I already did one of those things you do when you're 16 where you grind the alloy wheels of what is normally the driver's side. I ground that on like an old world side. Uh, uh, gutter type thing. So yes, I have done that, Scott. To me, it was interesting because <laughs> I, I found myself getting overwhelmed quite quickly because everything seems familiar, right? The street signs are in English, yes. but they're a little bit, you know, the speed limit signs are off. The, you know, there is, uh, there are some signs that you see on the road, you have no idea what they mean. There's some that you can kind of relate to. You can relate to stoplights. Uh, you can relate to stop signs. 
you can kind of sort of, depending on where you're from, relate to a roundabout, uh, although there's, of course, mm-hmm. going in the direction. Uh, but you have all of these things that are different, and they're different all at once. And so you find yourself quite, quite easily becoming overwhelmed, and you just want to focus on the basics, but yet you keep being bombarded with information. It could be uh, street signs. It could be the GPS. It could be other drivers who may not be pleased with the way you're driving, so they're honking at you. It could be, for example, your mm. wife saying you're too far over to the left. So you have all the <laughs> coming at you at once, and you had you just have a hard time dealing with it. And uh, you realize your instincts are off. And I came to this realization when my wife, uh, again, musician, she was taking a bagpiping lesson. Uh, I was uh, invited to go somewhere else for a couple of hours. So I took the car and drove out. So I found myself driving down a one-lane road uh, in the backwoods of Scotland. And sure enough, another car starts coming straight towards me. Oh, okay, my gosh. This has happened many <laughs> times to me in the United States, right? Single lane road, uh, cars coming towards you. So what do you do? Of course, you're going to move as far to the right as you can because that's your instinct. The other driver must have been Scottish because he or she, I didn't notice, they were going as far to the left as they could. So that meant our cars were both moving to the same side of the road at the same time. <laughs> that was my instinct, right, was to go to the sure. right. Uh, they were do- using their instinct to go to the left. I was the one in the wrong, of course, so I had to correct. But you have to fight your instincts when things are different. So uh, I found myself, it took a lot more concentration because I was in this strange and new environment where mm. things seemed similar, but yet were different. It made me tense. It made me want to be very focused on on the moment. And it really, really made me uh, not uh, have an ability to absorb new information very quickly at all. Uh, because of my emotional state. It sounds like almost like your circuits get overloaded and you just, you know, your performance falls off a cliff. And I think we've all kind of been there, right? Where you shut off. I think what you're describing there, that almost feels like, and I might steal this from you. It feels like a really great opening type example before you would even maybe start a planning session with somebody. Just remember, put yourselves in the shoes of the learner, somebody trying to learn something new or a newer environment and everything. I also know you have quite an accomplished background in instructional systems design in the process. So walk us through the science of this. Why does this happen? The academic term that we're talking about here is absorptive capacity. So this is, okay. uh, each human being has a finite absorptive capacity. What does that mean? Absorptive capacity is the amount of new information a person can learn at once. Uh, the amount that you can learn varies depending upon your personal motivation. What do you mean by that? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, you can actually force yourself to learn. Uh, You can force yourself to go against your instincts, as I was talking about earlier. There's actually a great analogy that's in a book called Switch by the Heath Brothers. uh, And they talk about the writer and the elephant. And what the writer and the elephant means is this. The elephant is uh, is your ego. And your ego wants to just charge off in the same direction that it's always going. Uh, your ego kind of likes the status quo. It likes, it likes to keep things comfortable moving in the same direction. Now, you have the ability, your id has the ability to change the direction of that elephant. If you think about the rider, the rider's like a tiny little jockey on the head of the elephant. Right. So in order for that jockey to be able to move that elephant into a different direction, it takes a substantial amount of effort to turn the elephant. 
and it takes a substantial amount of effort to keep that elephant moving in the direction that you want it to go. Now, eventually, that elephant's going to settle down and move in the direction that you like. Uh, same thing happened to me, right? Uh, when I was driving in the UK, I had to force myself to not follow my instincts. I had to force myself to pay attention to the correct street signs, to stay on the correct side of the road when I was passing by somebody, uh, things of that nature. I had to actively think about them and apply them. So I, I had my rider moving my elephant over in the right direction uh, and eventually found after about four or five days a week or so, I, I settled into it. The elephant was moving in the new direction. And the interesting thing to me is I could then recognize people who were tourists who were driving cars because they were doing some of the thing, same things that I was <laughs> previously. What you were describing there is you had high personal motivation because you needed to survive, right? Let's shift that to someone. And so by nature, you were very motivated. You could force your elephant to start to rapidly adapt and recognize and build new skills. Um, but we also know that many of our learners aren't quite in such a crisis mode from personal motivation there. So what's typically um, something we need to be aware of when it comes to absorptive capacity for someone who's not quite as motivated as you were when you were over in Ireland? Well, and this, and this is where I think simplicity and learning comes in handy because okay. uh, the analogy that I like to use here is uh, absorptive capacity. Uh, your brain can only take on uh, so much new information at a time. Mm -hmm. And a good analogy for that is like pouring a gallon of water through a funnel. Uh, you mm. have a funnel, you can pour the gallon of water in, and as long as you keep it calm and steady, the water is going to go into the funnel and it's going to drain into whatever you're pouring it into. However, okay. after you tip it up and start pouring it more quickly than the funnel can handle, uh, water starts spilling over the side. Now think of that as information, right? The faster you pour it in, the more information is going to be lost. So actually what you could be doing while you're trying to pour that, informa mm. that information of the water in too quickly, people actually learn less than they would than if slow and oh. steady were the uh, rule of the day, let's say. That is that is massive. That's a great way um, to break that down. I almost feel like you're... What was it? Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy from back in the day. You just really broke down absorptive capacity in a way that's meaningful. Now, Scott, I know one thing that we're all dealing with is um, the concept of digital transformations, right? right? You know, in terms of this world where things are fast and furious. So when it comes to simplicity in learning design, a couple things I, I think I'm kind of picking up from you is that there's an importance to focus on increasing learning versus just providing more training, but it feels like that's kind of challenging in this world. So put your lens on that, your simplicity lens on this and give me some perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of times in a digital transformation, and we're, we're really talking about a large number of people who are all going to be doing something different all on right. the same day, like in an ERP implementation. So you could have hundreds or thousands of people whose jobs are gonna fundamentally change on the same day, uh, and they're going to have to work and keep the business going after the go live of an ERP system like SAP S4HANA, let's say, for example. Okay. And, and when you're going through one of these, and I've certainly been through many uh, over the years and uh, seen a lot of conversations and seen a lot of uh, efforts at training, both successful and some less successful. But there is always a temptation on behalf of everybody, right? Uh, the instructors, the subject matter experts, the PMO, 
really everybody that's involved. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a to tell everybody everything they would potentially need to know uh, before <laughs> the go live takes place, you know, just in case, or it could right. hurt to tell them this, or, you know, there's, there's a dozen different ways that people say, you know, it'd be a good idea at the same time. Why don't we just sell them this too? So the bucket, right? Everybody starts <laughs> putting stuff into that bucket into the middle of the room. Yes. Yes. But the end result is usually a huge volume and variety of information that a lot of different stakeholders want shared uh, with the end users, the poor little end users at this point. And uh, the net effect of that is, yes, there may be a lot of training, uh, but there is less learning, right? Which is learning mm. results, behavior on the job. So we're not getting the behavior results that we want on the job because people didn't learn what we expected them to learn because we were just doing a bunch of training, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. This is hitting home. I'm actually working with a large uh, global organization on their curriculum planning for this year. And these are some great cautionary tales as we head into that planning session. So, you know, since it's so timely to me, selfishly, I'm going to ask you this in your experience with something that's quite frankly, probably far more complex, as you're saying, like having an enterprise <laughs> adopt SAP or something. What are some learning solutions or ideal um, bits of advice you have for someone like me? Yeah, you, you want to simplify the solution as, as much as you can. Only focus on those learning objects, on those learning objectives uh, that drive the critical outcomes for either individual performance uh, or business performance. So how do we how do we figure that out, right? What drives business? How does individual performance right. contribute to business performance? Uh, I've really become very interested in uh, Kirkpatrick. Oh sure, right levels one through four, yes. and uh, Kirkpatrick has the new world way of developing a curriculum. And instead of starting with the users and what the user end users need, your analysis starts uh, instead of bottoms up, it's tops top down. So you okay. want to start business outcomes that you're trying to drive. What are the key productivity indicators for the organization or the divisions within the organization uh, that you are trying to affect in a positive way? And then once you know those business outcomes, then what behavior in the employees drives those business outcomes? A great example of this would be a big project that we're looking at is that the net promoter scores for this particular organization aren't very good. They don't provide good customer service. Okay, so we hmm. want to try to change those net promoter scores because those, you know, those affect our financial numbers because people aren't coming back to us because they don't like us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when we looked at the organization, that was one of the key productivity indicators. All right, so if our, if our net promoter score isn't very good, how do we drive that number? Well, through our customer service representatives. So what knowledge and skills do they need, right, to provide better customer service that will drive our net promoter scores? So... Just as an example, so you start with the business outcomes, you look at the behavior that drives those outcomes, and then you ask yourself, what knowledge and skills do those individuals need to exhibit those behaviors that drive the business performance outcomes? And then from there, you know, how do they like the training? So you really start at Kirkpatrick level four, uh, the outcome, right. and you go down from there to the learning that, that drives those outcomes. So that allows you to streamline your learning on those things that are just critical for the business and are not just the nice to knows. So what are the need to knows? 
Right. It sounds like what you're doing when you're when you reverse that process uh, and focus on the real world business outcome is you're separating the wheat from the chaff, right? You're saying, okay, let's get away from the nice to knows to this is what we need to know. And you can march forward and double down on your investment with confidence, right? Yeah, kind of the kind of the classic example of this. And there's articles out there. I think one of the, the article is called SAP Training Sucks, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, it is a case study. Let me write that. that down. Okay. Yeah, SAP Training Sucks. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I I didn't come up with the title. I'm just repeating it. (laughs) Uh, But it is a case story on the Hershey company from back in the day when they did an SAP implementation. Uh, Their go live was around uh, right before Halloween. And they discovered that after their go live, they could not ship anything. So was it a problem for them not to be able to ship during Halloween, do you think? Yes. Yes. Big time of year. That's a business problem. So they had a great training solution, but what they didn't look like look at is what business outcomes do we want? And let's create a learning solution around that. You know, at the end of the day, after you have a huge digital transformation, the last thing you want is for your business to struggle to do their uh, fundamental functions. So start with that and work from there. Oh, this is great stuff, Scott. I mean, I, I want to make sure that I honor your time and also get you out to the Braves game here. But if you had to... Um, simplify our discussion and put it into one overall idea to leave our learners with as, as we depart and you head off to the Braves game, what would be your one overall idea from this conversation? I think overall, uh, along with simplifying, with focusing on just the critical information is to help users uh, stay motivated during learning and help them build new mental models. In other words, how Hmm. can you help them Uh, maintain their absorptive capacity, right? Our minds can be closed, our minds can be open. How do we help open up their minds with instructional design? A couple of good things that you can do with that is uh, provide them with examples that they can relate to. And an example of this example was some procurement training that I looked at. And this was a couple of years ago, but I noticed it it was quite complicated. But at the end of the day, if you were to look at the training, there was a very simple analogy, compare something to something, that would have provided a simple example that people could have related to that would have helped them learn procurement easier. And that, that was after looking at the seven hour training class, or it, uh, it occurred to me that this is really not much different from shopping on Amazon or shopping on the internet. Everybody hmm. does that. Very easy example to relate to. So if the training had used that as an analogy, right, shopping on the internet to right. our new procurement system, they could have shortcut uh, a lot of the the background, the fluffy stuff on the learning, people that could have directly related to it and they could have learned it more quickly and moved on. So rather than sitting through a seven hour, that's right, seven hour online learning session, you know, it could have been a 30 minute e-learning that would have been a lot more effective and we would have had increased learning, but less training. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things I could take away from this, but as we talk about the essentials is don't confuse training with learning. I think that was a big thing. I love this idea of establishing a mental model to help simplify things and and accelerate the learning process right there. I think these are just fantastic elements, Scott. And um, you know what, if you had to have one final thought out there or one bit of encouragement, where do you think learners should start? Where's a great first place to start in terms of um, sharpening the journey towards simplifying? 
Yeah, I think really did that Kirkpatrick New World way of analysis, doing a top-down okay. analysis. So you were knowing what the what outcomes the business is trying to achieve, and how you as a as a instructional developer, as a project manager, as an HR professional, how can you directly contribute through a great learning product to the bottom line of the business? And if you figure, because everybody has a job, everybody has things that they're trying to achieve in their job. So let's try to help them do that as best we can, as efficiently as we can. Hmm. I, I love that. And uh, uh, just a gentle uh, plug here for GP Strategies, again, the sponsor of this podcast. That is one of the, the core practices, strategic learning consulting that we do. And I know Scott's been intimately involved in that world um, over the years. So we encourage you to check out gpstrategies.com. And Scott, if um, if we had a listener who wanted to learn more or talk more with you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you, sir? Yeah, I would think uh, through my email address, uh, gbarber at gpstrategies.com. Very cool. All right. Well, listen, on behalf of our global listening audience, I want to thank you for coming in, simplifying this process of learning and a real treat. So thank you so much. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. The Performance Matters podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts or listen on our website at gpstrategies.com.